Welcome to Making Bread, Making Money in the Modern Age. Now, here's your host, Matt Barkley. Welcome back to Making Bread, where we talk about all the new ways to make money using the technology of 2022. I'm your host, NFL quarterback, Matt Barkley. My guest today is a former MLS Rookie of the Year and has been a star in the league for over a decade. He's also a pioneer in the crypto space and last year became one of the first athletes ever to receive a portion of his salary in Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. He's a forward on the field, a forward in our hearts, and a forward thinker off the field. CJ Sapong, welcome to the show, my guy. How we doing? Man, a lot better now. How cool you're making me sound. <laughs> Amazing intro. This is great. I, I can remember when I, I signed with the Titans last year and my timeline on Twitter got hit up with, you got to get to know CJ Sapong. And I started looking into you and I feel bad I didn't hear your name before that. But as a fellow athlete in the crypto space, you are definitely a pioneer. And that's what kind of when I first heard about you, have been following you since but how do you like it? You kind of have bounced around. I know we've kind of both been in like Chicago, Philadelphia, a few other places. You won a, an MLS Cup in Kansas City. How uh, how does Nashville compare to all those? Yeah, man. Nashville for me definitely is a little bit of the, the sprinkles on the cake. I'm sure you can attest to the journey that comes with playing in new cities, meeting new people, understanding the vibe and the culture. And personally, for me, I think it's a big reason why I still have vitality right now. 12 years in the league. It was my 11th year when I got into Nashville. Came into a place that is also trying to pioneer and think forwardly and yep. was looking at putting the players in a position to help drive this this change that we're all seeing and being a part of. So at this point in my career, the purpose is elevated and it's bringing even more motivation on the field. Yeah. And we out here trying to make some bread now, but also set ourselves up for after we're doing our crafts and, you know, create some generational wealth. That's right. Amen. And I, and I saw the Titans actually announced that they would be accepting crypto. I don't know if in ticket form yet, but definitely like around the concourse and in some different forms. Is Nashville SC doing anything along those lines? It's coming soon. Coming I don't soon. know if you heard, but our major sponsor of our new stadium, Valkyrie Investments, actually paid for the sponsorship in Bitcoin yep. and they're utilizing a crypto payment conversion platform, which I'm actually an ambassador of it all tied in very organically and synchronistically. Perfect. But yeah, the company that I started getting paid in crypto through actually facilitated the transaction between Valkyrie and Nashville. And from talking to a couple suits and, you know, some, other constituents, it seems like the crypto movement is one that they're heavily invested in. And yeah, they want to be pioneers. And it just adding on to, you know, the first question you asked me, this is where I'm able to continue to find more purpose off the field. And, and yet it's providing more fuel on it. So can't complain right now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Keep working. I want to hear about that deal and, and hedge and everything else you're doing. But before that, I want to get into some headlines around the space in a section we call whale watching. Serena Williams and Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton have joined a group that is bidding for ownership of a British soccer giant, Chelsea. 
So if you could play for one celebrity owner, who would you pick? Man, Serena is up there, I must say. I just saw King Richard recently. So, you know, I respect the hustle and I respect the grind and did a little research after. And, you know, her daughter actually has a share of a women's soccer team in the NWSL. So I saw that. that this was maybe a year ago. And, you know, I did a little, little chest bump to her. But there you go. <laughs> although Manchester United is my team, I would play for Chelsea given Serena being part of the ownership connection. I just know we could make things happen, you know, and just expand everybody. Oh, yeah. She spoke at Bitcoin conference. She's deep in the space. It'll be a good combo. That's dope. <laughs> I love to see that, man, because that's where us athletes, I think, can really start to maximize our value add to bands, teams, yeah. organizations by, you know, pioneering a movement, a paradigm shift, given the socioeconomic climate, I would say we're primed for at least some alternative methods of thinking. And, no doubt. you know, when people like that are stepping up, it's good to see. Like it. In other news, Fidelity announced that they will now offer Bitcoin options in 401k retirement plans. This is huge. However, the decision on whether to include crypto will ultimately be up to the employers. So do you think that offering crypto retirement plans would help young people kind of get more excited about long-term financial planning and setting themselves up for retirement? It's a no-brainer. I mean, right? when you're looking at traditional investment vehicles and the returns that they're bringing us, even if you're converting that money into USDC and staking on a platform that's 7%, 8%, you're getting way more return than you're going to get in more traditional methods. And then also give you're slightly beating inflation, <laughs> that Putin price hike. But yeah, inflation slightly. The thing that was supposed to be like part of the plan. But now it's like we're kind of like messing our thinking up because I learned in school that that ain't good. But we just keep pushing it up. That's right. But yes, Bitcoin trust Valkyrie. I have to give them a shout out. I hope that's OK. Huge. But they're starting to provide, you know, multiple different cryptocurrencies, different baskets for these funds and, again, alternative opportunities. Boom. Over $10 million has already been spent on NFT Nike sneakers for the metaverse as they're going for nearly $8,000 a pop. What's the most money you would spend on a pair of virtual sneakers? I wouldn't spend a lot. Honestly, I need I need a little bit more utility. I need to know that IRL, I can utilize that besides a speculative investment. You know, that's just me. Not a grant. I'm with you. The Wall Street Journal has named Nashville, Tennessee as the second hottest job market in the country, just behind Austin, Texas. So you play in Nashville and I assume you live there. It's great year round. Give people a quick sales pitch for why your city is the best place to be right now. Development, forward thinking people. I mean, property values are skyrocketing. You have a lot of movers and shakers coming into Nashville mm -hmm. and they're coming from everywhere and they're bringing a different thought process. They're bringing different experience and where Nashville might have always been known as, you know, just a little honky tonk and Broadway. It's expanding on a different level and it's becoming more diverse and weather's nice. 
I thoroughly enjoy myself here. <laughs> there you go. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of innovation, tech even pouring in. So it is a hot spot. And last but not least, as I'm sure everyone has heard by now, Elon Musk reached an agreement to buy Twitter for $44 billion. That's with a capital B. This last question is kind of two parts. So first, what's your opinion on that? You can kind of keep it quick. I know we can probably have a whole episode on this. But secondly, if you had $44 billion, what would you spend it on? That's the thing, right? If you got $44 billion <laughs> to spend, go buy yourself a company. You, you go right? do that. I don't have it. Uh, I think it's good for Twitter to have a guy who is forward thinking himself. And obviously the questions of free speech and how Twitter has handled that is, is big. But hey, sometimes we need something new. So see what you got for us, Elon. And, you know, for me, if I have $44 billion, I'm going on a deep dive. I'm copping some NFTs. I'm staking. I'm giving me a Bitcoin trust. Yeah. Official whale status. Official whale status. Generational whale status. <laughs> Perfect. So overall, though, on the spectrum, you think it's it's a good move for Twitter? I think it's a great move. Yeah. Again, we're getting to a point where there's a pressure building where it's like, okay, the modus operandi up until now hasn't always been exactly what we thought it was. And you have bigger players that are really shifting a lot of narrative and programming of people. So to allow newer, newer minds and more open-minded minds to step into the play, I think it gives the population as a whole more of an opportunity to see what's out there. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be what we've been told and what we've seen up until now. Let's change it up and see how that works because it might not be working right now. Elon, let's do it. Make it big. All right, let's get right into it. You got an awesome story, a lot going on. You're just crushing it in a lot of areas. But I want to hear about your partnership with Hedge, because for people who aren't familiar, just tell them what Hedge does and why it was a good fit for you in the space. Yeah, so I was basically incurring a lot of fees trying to buy crypto from here, buy crypto from there, worried about the security of these exchanges. It's a little daunting at first getting into the crypto space. And what I love about Cornerstone and Hedge is they're allowing a traditional pathway to crypto. And for me to not have to worry about how much I'm putting into this crypto and did I make profit has gone up, I'm transferring from here to there. I have an opportunity to set a dollar cost average schedule throughout the season I know every paycheck, there's a portion going into this coin and that coin, and it's going to a wallet. One of the wallets is a ledger. I'm just holding that. Yep. And then allows me to be a little bit more free with the rest of the money in my account. And knowing that I've put some money aside towards my future, I just live in free. And it takes a lot of weight off the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Very great company, Hedge. And so part of that deal involved you receiving a portion of your salary in crypto and a few different asset coins. I mean, it was kind of break a breakthrough moment, trend setting in a way. Was that your idea or did Hedge Cornerstone come to you with that thought? Well, they came to me with the thought I had linked up with these with these guys at the Litecoin conference in 2017, I want to say. And 
I got to meet everybody. I almost was able to kind of see the cultivation of the idea take place. And again, with such a, and when you look at athletes, I mean, it's more so in MLS where we have a lot of foreign guys, guys that don't understand how things go here. And they come right. and they just spend outrageous amounts of money when they don't need to, you know, looking at that bridge for athletes from all walks of life and all different situations to be able to take advantage of salaries that they're making during their career to set them up for after. It was always a great idea. I can't, I can't lie. I didn't know if it was going to be possible. I was like, yeah. I was still kind of in the traditional world thinking and fast forward a couple of years, I'm getting my payments through this company. I'm able to like, there was two months where I got paid and, you know, I kind of saw the market was going to go down, just took the funds from the wallet, converted it to USDC, started staking. So I'm making money in the down market now, you know, it's perfect. A no brainer for me. So what made you decide, you mentioned Litecoin and being at that conference seems like you've been involved in one form or fashion for a while with them, but what made you choose Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, or are there any others? Yeah, so that's their first, I'm essentially part of the beta program. Mm. The first coins are Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. They're gotcha. very soon adding some DeFi options. The staking option, I believe, is still in development. But as you know, with SEC and all these different crackdowns, I'm sure they're having to rethink that approach. But I think with their positioning right now, especially around Nashville and the team and, you know, Nashville literal like representatives in the government here are trying to make this like a crypto Mecca. So I think they, Competing with Miami, <laughs> it, it can get there back and forth. <laughs> it can get there real quick. So yeah, the positioning, everything happened organically. And it's a reminder to me that it is meant to be, and we are all where we are supposed to be. It's just staying focused and continuing to educate people, you know, because I know at first it sounded just scary. And the first thought was, I'm going to lose my money. And it's like, well, if my money was sitting in a bank account, I technically would have been losing it. Whereas that's now not the case. So yeah, sometimes it takes that leap of faith. But with Hedge and the streamlined opportunity to dollar cost average safely into the crypto market. I think for people that are not as well-versed in the space, it's the best play for them. How do you decide what portion of your salary goes into those purchases for every month? I'm, I'm assuming it's monthly for the dollar cost averaging. And do you decide specifically what coins to do? Or is that like a built-in feature that the program or software has? What, what's your process? Yeah. So the platform, I have my profile at any moment, I can change the allocations and the percentages. I have gone back and forth between Ethereum and Litecoin more heavily just because Bitcoin's a monster, man. Like I don't see too much of an opportunity there for me. I have Bitcoin stashed just holding. That's for my daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hopefully it's a a world that Bitcoin is active and moving, but through hedge, I mean, bro, I have an opportunity to have it. It goes to a secure wallet. And sometimes I'll either 
say, I want all Ethereum this paycheck. You know, like I went on a massive NFT deep dive the last two and a half, three months because all these things yeah. I saw at outrageous prices, you know, now we're a little bit more doable, you know. So I was, a couple of the paychecks, I just ah, put it all on Ethereum, went on the app, adjust the allocation percentage. Boom, there, like on payday. You know, so easy. Next level. Now that you've kind of gone through that process, what would you say to other people, not just athletes or people with influence, but anyone who receives a salary and has the option to take it in crypto, if they asked you for advice, what do you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I'm right now I'm doing 20% of my salary. I know that might not be possible for a lot of people, but if you can find a percentage that is comfortable to you and then understand what kind of risk reward ratio you're looking for. Cause at a low risk, 5% of your salary going into Bitcoin or Ethereum, even if you don't understand the space, if you just look at historically what the price has done, you're most likely going to put yourself in a position to make money. Whereas right. if it sits in your bank account, we've seen the last two months, that money ain't doing the same for you next month. So at some point we have to kind of wipe the fog out of our glasses and say, hey, like maybe 0.01% isn't all it's been cracked up to be. That's a good point. And so what would be the reason though for not just taking 20% of your gross income and or net income and putting it into Bitcoin or, or buying it off an exchange. Did you, you mentioned the fees, was that kind of the big in the, the handling of it all that it's just a streamlined process. The fees are big over time, but I think it's the streamlined process, the usability of the platform and not having to go to a Coinbase and worry about, I mean, Coinbase charges you when you buy it, when you convert it, when you sell it, yeah. I just want to know that it's going straight to this wallet and what I do with it from there is my prerogative, or I just want to be able to set it and forget it. Right. I don't want to have to worry every time a paycheck comes in, like, do I got enough to, you know, put in this, this crypto? Or then you forget, or you're busy one week and then you don't do it. Yeah. The automated process helps. When you're not streamlining, what I realize with me when I don't streamline, I'm getting extra emotional with the market and like I'll get in something pops and maybe I'm excited. I take it out. It keeps going. Then I buy it again. Then it goes down. I'm like, just set it, forget it and and know, okay, over the course of the year, this is how much I plan to put in Yeah. at the end of the year. Look at the cost basis. And if I have to adjust, I adjust. But um, for me personally, doing dollar cost averaging has not failed me yep. in about seven, eight years of being in crypto. Boom. It, it is tried and true. So you, you took the salary in a few different coins and I know diversification is important. I get it. But if uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. If, if you could only take one form of crypto going forward, what would you choose? Ooh. Right now today, let's say your, your portfolio is zero. You have no coins because I know you're probably thinking in the back of your head, I'm already good in this area. I, I, the twofold question, I don't hear both those. You're, you've got a clean slate and you got one coin moving forward and then you've got your current allocation and then one that might pop. What do you got? 
Okay. I would say for the first, the former Ethereum, mm. there are high gas fees at the moment, but with the amount, I, I when I try to explain to people, I kind of explain Ethereum as an app store and it got hella apps and somebody always going to need those apps. Right. So I, I can't really see myself going any other route besides Ethereum, but where I'm at now and being, you know, moving in the space and it, it would be an avalanche or a polygon, cheaper fees, just as much Open accessibility, whole new realms of opportunities. So yeah, polygon, Matic or avalanche is what I'm on right now, basically. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, those are good. Those are good answers. You're, you're also so intriguing, I think, because I'm at least a lot of a lot different than some of the crypto athletes that I talk to because it doesn't really dominate your social media like you see in a lot of other like influencers or, or whatnot. But I mean, I was checking your Instagram. There's no even mention of it. You know, most people are throwing up their NFTs everywhere and, and kind of show, showing them off. Why is that for you? Well, one, the way the space is, I don't really want to bring too much attention to myself. Like it's a good call. I'm just putting a target on my back, basically. And, yep. you know, maybe for another time, I did get scammed from somebody reaching out to me about crypto mm. and they got my trust. I s- idiotically sent them money. They even sent it back. They sent more back to really get my trust. And then when I sent them more, they dipped. And Jeez. yeah, so that stung a bit. There was a lot of lessons learned. That'll leave a mark. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I have 50 over 50 NFTs, but at this point, you know, I'm building a brand, right? Right now I'm a soccer player. Mm. You know, I do a lot of things on the side and I'm trying to set up the landscape for when I'm done, but I do try as much as I can to focus on my craft. And I love the opportunities like this, where I get to speak about it like passionately and then, okay, people see the drips. Yeah. But then when I'm done playing, like it's full go mode, crypto is a large part of my life will be will be part of my children's lives. Blockchain technology is going to be part of all our lives, whether we see it or not. No question. And I'm just patiently sitting here, you know, planting my seeds, watching the landscape, seeing how it develops and enjoying myself, eating some fruit. Uh, <laughs> eating some fruit. I, w- I want to hear about Sacred Seeds, uh, your foundation in, in, a, in a minute. But you mentioned 50 NFTs. That's pretty impressive. What kind of intrigues you about that world compared to just buying coins or, you know, the traditional cryptocurrencies that we see? Why NFTs? Community and utility. Mm. Mind you, of, of those 50 NFTs, 20 of them are worth dog probably. You know, it took me a little bit to understand like, okay, you can't just be buying pictures from people because they said they're going to do something cool. At which I think individually in all our human experiences, this is something that we need to go through. Right. Stop letting other people carry your narrative. Buckle down, find out what you're getting yourself into to the point where now, okay, I'm looking at communities, I'm in discords, I'm seeing, I'm actually seeing the faces of some of these people that are developing these things as opposed to a picture. Yeah. Like I can't believe one of the first ones I bought was the whole team, it was just pictures of the NFT. I was like, oh, this joint's going to pop, bought it. I don't even know where it's at right now. Yep. But <laughs> disappearing through that process, community, community-driven community things. I mean, there's 
You got things like proxy ownership. You've got VC opportunities, looking at Moonbirds. Mm. You're bringing wealth opportunities to people that will not get it in the traditional markets, in the traditional sense. Right. And when you do that, you, I think, spark a different kind of illuminating thinking that allows the collaboration to like maximize. And it's really cool to see it in action. Yeah. And communities seems like such a driving force for a project to succeed where the founders of the artists are heavily involved. You see them out in front, the roadmap is clear. They meet their milestones, right? It's not just some drop and then they disappear, but it's, it's a relationship. It's an ongoing process. And, and to me, NFTs kind of have more of a, a venture capital feel where you're kind of going to miss on some, you, you go in kind of knowing maybe that you might miss, but a few are going to hit and that's all it's going to take. Do you kind of have that mindset as an investor or, or is it a collector's mindset more so like to trading cards or art? I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around that process, you know? Yeah, no, it's my journey was essentially because I was so against it. I was, I'm old school. I'm like, man, what is this? Y'all are going to mess up this whole crypto thing. Y'all are making it, uh, you're yeah. discrediting it. And actually I got, I ended up getting gifted an NFT and the creator, it was gifted to me from a musician in Nashville. He got gifted from a guy who was, he's a board eight yacht club holder and essentially created a derivative off of that. So that alone I was like, all right, that piqued my attention, but I got it for free. Right. And I understand for people why it would be hard to like put your money into it. That'll help you get involved. Yeah. yeah you know, like <laughs> help me get involved. And then once, like once I hopped in the discord and I mean, I saw like, these Twitter spaces, these people are up all times of the day. Ask me anything. Non-stop like, notifications. Where else, what yeah. other organization, corporation you're investing in is going to say, Hey, meet me at four o'clock ask me anything. It's different. No doubt. I'm in there like swimwear. <laughs> like swimwear. Love it. Love it. Love your thought process. So you started Sacred Seeds Foundation. Tell everyone what you guys do there and why it's so important to you. Yeah. So Sacred Seeds is a nonprofit based out in Philly, based off of sustainable agriculture and the opportunity for that to increase the capacity of communities, right? When you see Philly is a, one of those cities that's very well known for their food deserts and you, you know, mm-hmm. there's bodegas on every corner, but the like neighborhood gardens are like run down and dealing with crime and drug use and things like that. So I, through my own ah, enlightening through growing my own food, you know how it goes, man. I caught a concussion, like I think it was like my first year in Philly and that started doing things to my neck that started doing things to my nerves and I'm getting injections here and there. Like I'm getting the massage, but then they're telling me go run. So I was like, I had to do something off the field to like put myself in a, in a better position to be able to perform and everything I looked up and, you know, first I went through supplements and vitamins and this, that, and the other. And once I looked at the, the science of it all and the importance of your body needing actual food to really break down the minerals and the vitamins and adding things that make it, that allow you to retain the benefits of those things. All you got to do is sprinkle some seeds and some dirt. A couple weeks is there. 
So was it the therapeutic aspect of gardening that you're talking about or the actual consuming like the natural, healthy, pure ingredients of homegrown food? It started with just the pure ingredients and pure access. And it just has molded to now, which is why I like kind of go a little crazy because I'm not there anymore. So, you know, people ain't answering the emails the same way they were before. And it's different when I'm not out there, you know, with getting my hands dirty with the kids. But as we did that, as we worked towards increasing access, we recognized that the therapeutic aspect is where it's at. Yeah. And our goal, which is, is still now we were in motion to have a therapy garden and we wanted to tie different areas of the space with different senses. You know, you have the aromas, you have the tasting area, you you know, you have the right. different textured plants that you can feel and just talking about it in these communities was therapeutic. But once we like put some seeds and some dirt and saw wildflowers growing up this high, cutting the tops off, sending them to the apothecary down the street so that they can make their herbs that are healing that same community in a different aspect. I'm like, all right, if we can do this, we can change the world. Like literally, you know, that's why I started it, but I didn't think, okay, you're going to, you're not going to change the world, but like, there's an outrageous opportunity to have a handful of kids, not only excited about growing their own future, but now being given the nutrients, vitamins, minerals that is necessary to maximize their potential. And that's always going to give back to the community, you know? So yeah, that's powerful. Sacred seeds, man. Sacred seeds, everybody check it out. Love that. Last question, right? I know you had a baby girl a little while back. We see the playpen <laughs> behind you. And when it comes for saving for your children and investing in their future, do you still go digital investments? You kind of mentioned that a little quickly as you're, you know, saving for generational wealth, but do you do it digitally with with crypto and other assets or do you play a little more traditionally with with, you know, their money? I mix it all. I mix it all. Yeah. Ultimately, I not going to go all the way to the other side, you know. I have a trust that is, you know, my my daughter is a beneficiary and that trust actually allows me to invest in crypto and traditional markets. So that's perfect. But then I have a little ledger wallet where, you know, and I'm not going to just give it to her. There will be some tasks that she will have to overcome to be able to find this ledger that's in some bunkers somewhere, you know, in the boondocks, you know, but a true treasure hunt. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, I like that idea. It's the move. Set up clues that only they will know and only they can find. Because ultimately, like, I can still always just have the seed phrase in, like, a safe deposit box. (laughs) It's like they never find it. Right. You know, but to, like, make them kind of work for it. Because in my my thought process is my daughter is almost two. My stepson is almost five. This is, I literally take 5% of what my payment crypto conversion is. And I set it aside for them. And boom, how much easier I, I can move through my days and how much less emotional I am when there's a 30% drop in the markets. Like it's really changed my quality of life, literally. So can't complain. Yeah. And it's long term, it's keeps your mind off it. I, I like that live within your means. Good stuff. 
So obviously you are a big crypto guy and as we discussed, but now, okay, it's time to test your knowledge in a different kind of way, all right? Because there are many, many, many different coins and projects, DeFi names, NFT projects out there, and there are a lot of them, all right, as as you well know. But right now, I'm going to give you three coins, okay? Two of them are real, and one of them is completely made up, all right? And you have to identify which one is fake. We got about six, six or seven of them, okay? Let's do it. Oh, I love this. You ready? All right, this is an all-breakfast edition. Ooh. All right, which of the following cryptocurrencies are fake? A, waffle. B, bacon bucks. Or C, pancake swap. Hmm. I know pancake swap is real. Waffle and bacon bucks. I swear, that's the thing about the crypto space, though. You find, you could, <laughs> man, you'd be finding all, all be different real. types of names. I'm going to go with bacon bucks is not real. Bacon Bucks is the correct answer. That is a fake made-up name, and uh, that's I, uh, I'm involved in Pancake Swap. It's a little DeFi project, farming yielding. Anyways, that's a different oh, yeah. discussion. Question number two: Which of these bird-related cryptocurrencies is fake? All right: A. Cardinal Coin, B. Raven Coin, or C. Duck Duck. Hmm. Which one's fake? Just could, okay. So definitely Raven Coin is real. DuckDuckGo is on the MetaMask, so I can see it that being real. I'm not sure, though. So I'm going to say A, was it Cardinal Coin? It is not. That is correct. Your intuition is right. Two for two. I like this. We're on a roll here. All right. Mm. Number three. Let's go to the fruit division now. Okay. Which one of these <laughs> is fake? A, Banana Bucks. B, Grape Finance. Or C, Apple Exchange. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people that don't know anything about crypto that are hearing these names. Like, no what? pun intended, but this is bananas. <laughs> just all the Literally. names, right? Literally, this one I must say I I'm not too positive. I'm going to say. So you said banana bucks, banana bucks, great finance, or Apple Exchange. I think it's been banana bucks is not real. It is surprisingly, <sighs> Apple Exchange is the fake made-up name of the fruit division <laughs> crypto names. All right? oh my Question number four. We're, we're still on top. we got a good percentage right here. Let's see if we can get this. World Political Leaders Edition. All right, Which mm. one of these is fake? A. Trump coin. B. Putin coin. Or C. Trudeau coin. Oh my lord. The fact that two of those are actual coins is, is wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. People have bought them. Trump coin, Putin coin, or Trudeau coin? I would say Trudeau, because it seems like they ain't messing with crypto out there. <laughs> Trudeau coin is correct. <laughs> Trump and Putin are leading the charge for, <laughs> Sounds about for their right. own crypto. I, I hope they don't have any involvement in those, and they're just fanatics. Okay, number five. We're three for four so far. Here's one that's just for you. Which one of these soccer-related coins is fake? All right. A, kick token. B, goal coin. Or C, soccer hub. You get to decide how many O's and A's were in that goal coin. 
Okay, I was like, that that might heavily, heavily uh, determine how I answer. Kick token, goal coin, or soccer hub? I'm going to say soccer hub is not real. Soccer hub is real, in fact. And the goal coin is fake. As yeah, in, I should have known that. It was one of those where I'm like, ah, that's almost too easy. Like, <laughs> it's <laughs> too fake to be real. Yeah, it's fake. Uh, All right, number six. Moving into the acronym division. All right, see what you got. Which one of these is not a real crypto coin? OMG Network, IDK Coin, or LOL Token? Ah. Uh. OMG, IDK, LOL token. I want to say, now I'm just messing up. IDK is not real. Correct. Uh, yeah. Wow, you know that. That's incredible. I, I know <laughs> OMG very well, and LOL, I feel like. OMG yeah, is. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, OMG is an OG. Oh, They've yeah. been around for a bit. LOL token was kind of on the fence, but there you go. You're right. All right. Last but not least, it's the foods that make your breath stink, all right? Not that you'd be cooking up or growing with with (laughs) sacred seeds, all right? But which one of these are not a real coin? Tuna token, garlic coin, or deep onion? Hmm. Two are real, one is false. Garlic coin? Garlic coin is a real coin. (laughs) Don't know what it does or what utility it has. But Tuna Token is the fraud. I still think you are over 50%. Yeah. I mean, I think you got four out of seven. seven. That's impressive. That's that's better than I would have done. Nice. Tuna Token. What are we doing? Tuna Token. That was fun. That was fun. And I like the, you know, playful exposure of kind of the BS that can be in the space. But I tell people, man, that's in anything. Right? You got to do your research. Like you look in every aspect of our lives. There's some a lot of BS within most of it. You got to find what's real and, and uh, stick to your guns. That's right. Thank you so much to CJ Sapong for joining me today and talking about all things crypto. If you guys enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and leave a review or subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Barkley, and this has been Making Bread.